Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. everybody that's tuning in welcome to the why not her podcast this is the debut episode and i'm so delighted to have special guests ruthann and anya tyrell today we will be talking about women finding their collective voice elevating each other up and the correlation of creativity alongside activism we all believe that we can all win when equality is at the forefront so without further ado hello ruthann and anya how are you doing uh, Anya, you're in Australian time. What time is it over there right now? Ten, 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 well, past ten o'clock anyway. Oh my God. Thank you so much for taking the time to come onto the podcast. How is everyone doing with lockdown and everything else that's going on in the world? Well, just trying to, I think just trying to keep creative and keep coming up with ways to stay creative and not be bored, I think is, the, is what everyone's trying to do. And just like, it's been actually really cool during lockdown. I feel like a lot of things that we may have not, I've had time to do before we all have time for now, like, like why not her and like all these campaigns that we started and movements that we started I think you know before we mightn't all have had time to do stuff like this so it's really nice to get to do stuff like this yeah absolutely I mean you've been super busy with um doing the Irish Women in Harmony project and I mean how did that come about kind of just if you want to think about that for a second and we'll just go over to Anya um yeah and and how are things going in Australia Anya because I know you were so looking forward to trying to get back to Ireland but unfortunately that wasn't possible yeah yeah that that's been the hardest bit I think is being <laughs> the furthest possible away from home in lockdown yeah but, um I, I think like Ruthann kind of feeling into this time and trying to use it as positively as possible yeah and, and I suppose with with having this these moments in time it's so unusual in our, in this moment in history where we have such you know a period where we can reflect self-reflect as well as reflect on the society that we're in and what's going on in our respective industries and our creative flows and that uh, obviously Ruthann you've done the Irish Women in Harmony and that has led on to massive changes in your life and Anya your recent release We Call You Now and indeed your album prior to that Return to Sea have really really interesting stories behind them so um Ruthann would you want to start off by just kind of speaking about your own kind of projects and what you have and and your career and, and the highs and lows so far this year Ooh, do you want me to start with the Irishman and Harmony or yeah, start as whatever way you want <laughs> Um, well, I guess that um, for some time now, since I've obviously I've been a songwriter for a long time in the industry. And um, so I kind of was seeing everything from the songwriter's lens. And I was over in L.A. living there for a while. So I wasn't as much like in the Irish music scene. Um, yeah. And when I moved back to the UK and signed my record deal as an artist and started releasing, that was when I started really kind of being inserted into the music scene again as an artist and especially the Irish music scene. And it, along my way, I started kind of hearing about different female artists that I'd never heard of before or I'd be on a lineup with like one or two of them and I'd check out their sets or I'd check out their music and I was like wow like there's so much more Irish female and um, females around than I felt like I'd yeah. seen in previous years like before I left for LA 
Um, yeah. And so that was my first kind of like, oh, okay, how, why aren't these, why don't I know these girls? Why don't I know their music kind of thing? Some of them are, are they're all so fab. So basically then um, I had been thinking for a while that I felt the Irish industry especially was very male dominated. All the lineups I was seeing, all the radio playlists I was seeing, like everything felt very male, Irish male dominated. And we've some amazing, we've so many amazing Irish male artists that it wasn't like, I wasn't thinking they should be there. I just was thinking, why isn't there more females everywhere? Yeah. Um, and I also was getting so many tweets from listeners and viewers of TV shows and radio, and they would tweet me saying, why aren't you on the sign up? Why is there not more females on the TV? Like every week there's been male artists on where the Irish female artists. So when the listeners and the viewers start noticing, then, you know, there's something definitely wrong. And yeah, um, so a lot of the time, a lot of the time viewers and listeners are oblivious. But when you see actual people noticing you're like oh this is a problem and then so then when lockdown happened um I had so many UK charities reaching out to me because I'm based in the UK now and I was like oh I want to help out an Irish charity and I and I was trying to get involved in certain lineups that were just like all male and then one female and I was like oh I don't really like this as a representation of what's very disheartening as well let's say yeah I was thinking more I was thinking of it like if this is the representation of the music industry of Ireland I think that it's actually not it's actually a misrepresentation of what is actually going on in the culture here which is that there are loads of amazing artists that aren't being heard of and so I was like I wanted to help change that while at the same time do something for Irish for an Irish charity so I came up with the idea I mean it all kind of happened so quickly but it was kind of like let me get together a group of artists that you know we can do a cover of something or do something and choose a charity to do it for so I literally just started DMing people and I started DMing like five artists like Erica Cody and Amy and Wyvern Lingo and then before I knew it we had like 40 artists on a song and I 40 artists well 32 sorry 32 artists and seven musicians but yeah 40 women on a song and then we were called the you know I'd come up with the name Irish Women in Harmony and Erica had said let's do dreams and then before you know I was producing this mammoth project which I hadn't really fully thought about all that I was just like let's do it be cute and then next of all we kind of had this you know mcb got on board and you know radio so just, just wait 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 just let's go back a sec so you recorded one track with up to 40 musicians and singers on it and this was during lockdown so what way did you do this like how was the recording process how was the production process obviously this couldn't all go into a studio so how how did yeah that this was out? like yeah, this was in lockdown, lockdown, like nothing had opened back up yet. So um, this was like early May. I literally, um, when Erica said dreams, I immediately was like, I know exactly how I want this to be yeah. produced. And I think I know a way where we can do it, where the main thing was I didn't want to do a karaoke version where you felt like we were trying to do the Cranberries version. I wanted to make yeah. it quite a 2020 version. And so I immediately could hear it in my head. I had a Zoom. The first thing to do is I had a Zoom with the musicians. I spoke about like, we spoke about like the tempo and what kind of elements we wanted. And I knew that I wanted it to start quite acoustic and then grow. So I spoke with all the musicians um, and then me and Karen from Wyvern Lingo kind of put together a rough track and a guide track that I just sang like reference harmonies for the end and like the lead. I sent it around to all the artists with like 
so much breakdown of like the exact instructions of how to record remotely. Some of the girls only had their phones. So, I mean, Lisa Hannigan's is an iPhone recording. Caroline Coors is on iPhone. Um, Imelda Mays is on iPhone. The strings are all on iPhone. Some of the girls had, you know, some studio setups in their house. Um, But yeah, so it was basically kind of all the parts, everybody sent back a whole take of them singing the song and doing some of the harmonies back to me. And then it took me and all the musicians sent me all the parts. And then I just spent, I had six days to put it all together for the deadline. So I basically just stayed up for six days and just like produced it and got it ready. And then we sent it to mix and then it was done. So it was definitely, and I was live mixing with the engineer um, from home, like over a link yeah. that he was playing it. So it was definitely like a very hands on project yeah. and I, I think I was scared because I think um, the idea had gotten so big everybody was hearing about mm. it but no one had heard the song yet so you know there was radio stations going are you going to be able to do this and because I'm a woman producing yeah. I, I don't know if anyone oh my a woman producer <laughs> a woman producer but um, but the girls had the ultimate faith in me, which I really, which really helped me actually, because I felt they just believed that like, I guess they just were like, yeah, Ruth would. And I'm just like, oh my God, now I really have to, you know, do this. And and I'm always, I'm used to co-producing everything I do with, with other men and stuff like that, but I'm not really used to doing something completely on my own. So, um, but yeah, they really trusted me and they, all the musicians sent me like the most unbelievable parts that it was just like made my job yeah. so easy. So everyone got to kind of put their own creativity on it. Everyone got to do it. It, sing it and play it how they wanted to do it and so um I just had to kind of put it together and make it sound like a record and not too chaotic I guess my main thing was I didn't want it to sound like chaos so when I got it all together mm. and I sent it out that was when the kind of you know the girls were really happy with it we got the video done remotely and then when it came out it just kind of like blew up everywhere I wasn't really expecting that at all that is amazing and then <laughs> you know story, with Safe sorry. Ireland not at all no it's great because that's what we want we want to see from you know from yeah like from idea to creation to execution of that um and w- so the proceeds of the single have gone to safe ireland so uh, how much did you raise uh, so far well yeah we've raised a quarter of a million euros so far and what? that's without, oh my god that's not, yeah and that's not counting any song royalties actually the song royalties all come wow. in after so we're waiting to get that number i think you can we start seeing numbers of song royalties like six months after but um yeah from just like text donations and t-shirts that we sold and vinyls and stuff it's it's 250,000 euros so we're like that figure was something also that I just didn't really think about I was just trying to do you know raise some money you know I didn't think it yeah. I, the public were just so generous everyone really kind of fully embraced it which I, there was a lot of charity singles that came out around lockdown and I just didn't think this one would you know go to the make the strides that it has especially on radio and especially on you know on you know with where it went to and and what it became and how Irish Women and Harmony has now become a brand which was another thing I didn't really broke numerous records (laughs) yeah we were the first I mean we were the first I don't know if it's sad but it was we are the first female act to get into the top 20 of the overall Irish charts in over 10 years which is sad but but happy that we did that um, and the sign of the times as well yeah hmm. sign of the times and happy wow. that we can highlight that there obviously is an issue and we were the first female act to get number one on the homegrown chart so it was That's- big in that way for sure yeah oh my goodness. historic really I mean and 
And with kind of with the Irish Women in Harmony happening, it just so happened that whilst this was going on, myself and Anya were also kind of getting together and thinking, okay, we'll we'll do some sort of uh, a team project during COVID, which was the gender disparity report uh, that outlined on Irish radio the disparity between male acts getting airtime and, you know, female acts getting airtime and the difference. I mean, Anya, you have just had such a tremendous, turbulent as well as celebrant year of ups and downs as we all have and kind of releasing music and being behind this campaign. I mean, tell me about what you've been up to. Um, Well, I think, you know, uh, lockdown came for me as you know, one of those times in your career where you're like, uh, all these things are on the table that you've been like, I don't know, manifesting or dreaming about or working towards for so long. And then all this stuff was like magically there. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, just like most people's uh, experience, you know, that five year plan just got wiped out in, you know, the space of a week, you know, calendar. Yeah. Cause you had tours, like loads of touring, uh, kind of planned in yeah. Australia and that kind of had to go onto the back burner as well. And yeah, yeah. it's a huge and change. I, I've been right. at the, um, International Folk Alliance in New Orleans. That's actually the first place I heard of COVID when I was flying back through LA. We were all yeah. warned to buy masks because it, there was this disease, you know, and, yeah. you know, I think naively all of us thought, I think every one of us thought that this was like a couple of weeks or sort of thing. And then we'd all be seeing the other yeah. side of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, it, it was a kind of a, well, there goes the breaks. And, you know, in that time, I, I was supposed to be re-releasing a, a new album in the UK and Ireland and America, my, my latest album that didn't get released there. And, um, you know, all this other stuff that was supposed to happen. And um, I think, you know, now looking back, I think, you know, all those things will happen in, in their time. And that I think for all of us, it's been a time of going deeper into things. So, you know, when you contacted me, I know you and I have talked for years about the disparity in Ireland and working together and um, noticing things like Ruth is saying, lineups and, um, you know, what's what's being offered airtime on TV and radio. And really, you know, our conversations around you working for such incredibly talented female artists and not seeing the same sort of results that yeah. that men get and you knowing yourself they're immensely talented and it's not to do with a lack of talent and um mm. for me I mean that's part of the reason I immigrated you know I left at the time of the recession and I started playing music again over here in Australia and and I suppose maybe Australia is five five years ahead of Ireland in the conversation about gender disparity in the music industry. So these conversations were already happening here when I was starting to play music. So every time I would go back to Ireland, I would find such a difference in just a general attitude, I suppose, you know, like that no one was questioning the fact that certain festivals year after year could come out with 90% male lineups, you know, 
and and nobody question it you know and yeah. i think the report I, I you know fair play collective um i had been involved with them when they were starting out and was right behind them in what they were doing and i think the one thing that was missing from all the conversations that so many women were having in ireland i mean i even remember you know, in my first few gigs ever in Dublin with Ketel Koenig and, and some incredible women, those conversations were happening 15 years ago, you know, and yet there was no data, you know? Yeah. So when you, when you came to me with, um, and at that stage you only had, you know, a little inkling of the data. You hadn't even finished everything. Oh, we were so naive on you. <laughs> And when you sent it, you know, the little bit that you did have. I still I remember said, that, yeah. And I just said, of course, like, of course, I will get behind you on this because, you know, I think most of us women in the Irish music industry, you know, and I've met women in folk and trad music and all different genres, pop music, and and everyone has has had this sinking feeling like, we're not good enough. And a lot of us emigrate. I mean, look, yeah. we've got two musicians on here who. Yeah. One in London, one well. in Australia. You are the diaspora, yeah. but yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and we have to emigrate to play music. It's just kind of crazy that Ireland prides itself on its <laughs> musicians and its creative culture. And, and yet we're away. So, yeah. So, I mean, I remember so clearly that email that you sent through and I was like, you know, if this is what COVID times are for, it's, you know, yes, this is what I would love to put my energy towards. And I mean, little did we know the snowball of yeah. everything, and, you know, but then so great meeting. I, it's been so positive for, of course, just the results getting out there and all of that stuff. But I feel the most amazing thing to come out of the report has been, you know, meeting Ruth and and all the other women that have reached out to you or me or Ruth and this kind of feeling now that women in Ireland play music and in the industry, whatever genre you're in, that we've got each other's back. And that that feeling has been designed by the industry to separate us for so long. And so it's kind of like, it's love. It's just lovely. I, I feel between artist to artist, female artist, to female artist, and Irish women in harmony was, you know, highlighted that incredibly, you know? Yeah. I mean, I remember watching the Irish women in harmony on the late, late show. And just that mm. moment where Soleil looks over at Erica Cody. Yeah. And it's just this magic feeling of, you know, and it, and it was like everything in the last few months just coming together to that moment where mm. women just embraced each other because we weren't being embraced before. And as Ruthann, you said there previously, you know, it, it was quite a homogenized male dominated kind of industry in the sense that that's, they, that was who the platforms are being awarded mm. to and the opportunities. But now what we've seen like in the last few months is that kind of changeover and more women uh, in music kind of getting the acclaim that they deserve and, you know, inclusions on the, in the national mm. charts and, you know, the major Spotify playlist, you know, you have yeah. Gartland, you have all these amazing uh, Alva Reddy, mm. um, Denise Chyla and stuff. And it's Amy, you know, it's, it's wonderful, but, you know, in terms of 
radio and, and them supporting women, there still is that gap of women now being supported on the radio, but still being given late night plays, the random weekend plays and, you know, radio stations thinking, ah, that's enough. Like we're going to increase it and we'll just leave it at that. So collectively, because what we've seen here is like a collective force with Irish Women in Harmony, what magic uh, can happen and can occur and what change can occur when women indeed come together. Um, So what do you both feel, you know, was the kind of ultimate learning experience this year for you as creative women as well as bordering over to activism because I think up until that point the I think the both of you obviously powerhouse women very connected to your feminine energy but I think this year really trajected you into that kind of forward slash activism roles within yourselves and finding that voice within your own kind of psyche like how how was that transition for the both of you um I guess I learned this year, first of all, as a creative person, that I don't really need big budgets, fancy studios, big, bigger producers than me to do my music for me. I really got to come back down to, I almost felt like I was me again as a teenager when I first started writing writing music in my bedroom. I I did so many Zoom sessions this year in my pajamas, recording from home, thinking, wow, this this can be done. I don't need the bells and whistles. And that made me really want to inspire young, young people to, to pick up instruments. I learned guitar over lockdown, like just realizing that, you know, sometimes you think you need the voice lessons, the, you know, you need all the money to do everything. And really it's all the power is within you and, and the creativity is within you and you don't really need much. And yeah. so that was one thing I definitely learned as a creative, cause I, I've been traveling around. I mean, I've barely been in the same place for years cause I'm always mm. going to LA to write or I'm going to, you know, all around the world. And what I realized is, wow, I can actually do this on my own terms from home. I can produce my own, you know, it was just a bit yeah. more of a, like an empowering time. And I think a lot of the girls that I spoke to in Irish Women Harmony felt, felt the same. I also learned um, how much you really are more powerful together than separate from people. And I think that, like Anya said, the music industry has tried to keep us all separate. And what you realize is there's a community of people that are all going through what you're going through that have all felt the same, regardless of what their Instagram showreels are. Because obviously management and labels, like you have to post the best of everything that's happening. You have to make it look like mm. you're on every radio station. You have to yeah. make it look like, you know, and it was yeah. really great, I think, for all of us to kind of have this group of people to go, hey, has this been happening to you? And did mm. this happen to you? You know, and and realizing, wow, like we're all kind of having the same struggle. There's no one just like, you know, completely fine with in the music industry. There's a lot that needs to, there's a lot in the system that needs to change. Yeah. And it, that was something I learned as well is that it's actually so great to have a community of people who are in the same industry as you that you're not that you don't have to feel like you're competing against, that you actually can be, have each other's back, support each other, lift each other up and do things together and, and fight the system together. So that was another thing I learned. And then I guess when it comes to activism, like for me, it's like, I don't know how good of an activist I am, but I tell you what I do know is that I was, I was raised to just stand up for what's right, to do the right thing, to be fair um, and when I look around at something that I think is so unjust and unfair, and I guess that's for a lot of different things that happened this year, I just have to say something. I have to speak and I have to be involved. And I, you know, and I, and I have to, and I will do anything that I can to help. Now, my way of, of challenging 
what I felt was going on in the Irish music scene was to put out something that I felt was undeniably great and something that I was proud of and let the music speak for itself. And I tried to do that with my music in general. Um, But then it gets to a point also where if things are being constantly overlooked, it's hard to then not like, you know, what, why won't you play this or whatever? But um, I tried to always let the music speak uh, the the loudest um, and, 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 and do whatever it needs to be done, which if it takes 40 artists on a song, I will do that. Like, I just, I wanted to put it out and for it to speak for itself. I wanted people to listen to it and go, I want to know who those women are. I, I'm mad at myself that I don't know who that singer is. Who is that singer? I wanted the self-discovery from the public and I wanted the demand from the public to request it at radio to, you know, to show the, the numbers online, to be viewing the video so that it showed the powers that be in the gatekeepers. Hey, there is a demand for these artists. And, um, and my other thing that I really learned this year while I was kind of realizing is that my goal with Ireland is to make sure that we are creating a culture, a music culture that will continue for like, for, and a legacy and an mm. inspiration for, for younger artists to come. Um, yeah. Because I think that there's an issue with the Irish music scene as a whole, as, 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 as far as that we, we really do champion international acts over our own too much. We don't really champion our own until they go and, you know, become big somewhere else. And mm. then we're like, oh, actually, yes, Orla Garland or yes, Dermot Kennedy. We don't, we, we're not the ones to go, you know what? We believe in this person. We're going to break yeah. this artist. We're going to do it from here. And I think that that's a huge issue that, that is in the Irish music scene in general. And 100%. we are, conti- we are right now paying the Ariana Grandes and the Drakes. All the mm. revenue is going to art international artists who do not make their bread and butter from Irish radio play or Irish charts. And we are prioritizing them over artists who during lockdown lost all their gig money, are not getting as much radio play as they should be and are having to get other jobs. And for me, there is a responsibility as Mm. an artist to speak about that. There's a responsibility if you're in the media to address that problem. Um, Because I think a lot of people focus on the gender thing, which I think is so important. Mm. What I don't want that to do is to dilute the fact that there are artists in this country that cannot make a living regardless of their gender, which unfortunately for women, it is women suffering more mm. and that is just the facts right yeah but yeah. taking gender away from it there are artists in this country who are cannot feed themselves cannot pay their rent being a musician they have to immigrate go to another country like orla gartland did and whatever their music is good enough for gray's anatomy netflix yeah. um, normal people whatever mm. so the music is good enough for yeah. global sinks and global bbc radio six playing pillow queens all the time i refuse yeah. to believe that the music is not good enough for the irish and um, for irish culture and I think the media, myself, yourself, we all have a responsibility as the public and as the gatekeepers to to take care of our and protect our Irish music culture and don't let it become the American music culture because that's not the Irish music culture. And don't yeah. let the Irish music culture be one sound, one band, one mm. type of thing because Irish music and Irish songwriters are so talented at so many t- types of genre. And to me, it's magical. So my activism now is to protect the Irish music culture at all costs. And I don't want to get played because I'm a woman. I yeah. want to, get, but, but I also don't want to not get played or get played less because I'm a woman. Do you know what I mean? I think that it should be based on the Irish music scene and we should be cultivating and creating a trend of the public supporting our own and the media supporting our own. No, absolutely. And, and everything that you said is completely relevant. And I think it's what we have 
kind of learned that that is what is the main issue within the Irish landscape. It's not celebrating the diversity. It's not kind of expanding on what our culture is because it has changed drastically over the last 10 years. And yeah, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it has been highlighted and a lot of it is changing. And in regards to what form you use as activism, music is, I mean, it has been used for, for a long, long time. You know, you mentioned the States, like in the States, like the Greenwich time folk movement, you know, um, yeah. Black Lives Matter movement, you know, music is a form of activism. And on that kind of thread, um, Anya, you have a really big kind of experience just even recently with that, like using music as a form of activism in your latest release, which was, a spoken word kind of music uh, release called We Call You Now. Um, mm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what your experience was? Because I think a lot of people, whilst we have had uh, a lot of success with regards to the recent kind of campaigns that we've worked, be it Why Not Her and the Irish Women in Harmony and the Fair Play Collective, Misha Foster movement, there is a lot of backlash that can come with that. There is a lot of negative trolling going on. I know we found that um, some of the girls in the Irish Women in Harmony have experienced it. Amy has done shows about it and spoken about it but I think there is that glossy kind of hey look we're making change but change doesn't come without sacrifice and you know um I think we think we should talk about that as well because I think a lot of things as you as again it was mentioned earlier on that Instagram can be quite um hey this is one side and this is a bright shiny thing and and everything is all well in the world but that not necessarily is the case um most of the time there is always a duality there's always a a pro and a con a, a happy and a sad kind of version of things so um Anya like do you want to speak about what um what you have experienced like you know, obviously there's been amazing experiences with music and activism and then there's been negative ones. So what, like, what ways do you manoeuvre through that, you know? Yeah, I suppose I, I was, and my dad's a folk musician and he is... You know, Sean Tyrrell, amazing, yeah. Yeah, and an activist from the start with it. And so from very early age and with music, I knew that music was a tool for change, you know, and I yeah. suppose not even not just listen to my dad, you know, I was inspired by Bob Marley and, you know, <laughs> um, John Baez and, you know, um, music that spoke, spoke that way. Um, and then I suppose my, my, my journey through music has been, you know, probably yeah. more, more personal in my earlier albums and then later work now is definitely um much more i uh, i suppose looking out at, at who we are i suppose that comes with you know maturity and age and everything as well um yeah. and but yeah i, I mean uh, as well being in australia um you know it's interesting listening to ruth talk about cultivating the Irish um, music scene and really celebrating us because that's one thing that I've struggled with, you know, this sense of place really because in Australia, I'm not Australian. So I'm kind of outside the Australian music scene. And then in Ireland, not really Irish because I'm not living there even though I am Irish. Yeah. (laughs) And so um, it, it has actually connected me a lot with Indigenous musicians here in Australia, just on lineups and different things, somehow it ended up being this sort of, oh, can you do this show with this artist and that? And and in that, you know, I didn't know much about the 
um, Indigenous community or history or anything in Australia until then. And then um, working with them, I suppose, and, and then most recently it was on a Black Lives Matter march over here. The local um, mob had asked me would I sing one of the songs that is on my album to do with respecting country and and they asked me would I sing it at the march and I did and from that moment is when you know I've I've had trolling before and different stuff because I am outspoken in what I say and 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 do and I've been involved in the gender discussion here on radio and here with artists and so there's there's always something there but most of the time you know you you see it and you move on and you whatever and you just take that as part of being engaged in social media you know it comes with yeah it. but something you know much more happened when um particularly it was australians who had some sort of irish identity over here you know uh, generations back found that me standing up and speaking for indigenous rights over here was in some ways offending them and you know i it, it kind of shocked me because i kind of was like do you know your history or how you ended up out here or or your generations back what they faced in terms of oppression in ireland you know and can you not see this as kind of the same story that's going on here and from all that kind of online stuff that I got over that the spoken word piece is kind of what came out of it which I've never released anything as straightforward as that I've spoke about all this stuff in more maybe poetic terms in my earlier stuff um and this is like you know my dad said I think when he heard it he said he didn't leave any punches no I remember it, you know, listen to it first and, you know, that part where you just solemnly say, that's a fucking lie, you know, and and it was just, you know, that cutting raw, visceral Mm. reality of, I am not sugarcoating this, this is the way it Mm. is, you know, And, and I think... That as a responsibility, as a person that has a platform to to elevate um, women, people of colour, men, uh, non-binary, LGBTQIA community, just people in general, to actually show that, look, this is the reality. This is the way things are. You know, Mm. we do live in different democracies, different um, places, and there's the diaspora of Irish people and and people all over the world from different races and, and whatnot. But there are the positive aspects and there are the negative aspects. And I think with releasing anything that showcases the facts, the truths, the history, the the drenched, you know, blood spillage, which is what you captured in We Call You. You know, it's that, that I think was such a huge step towards kind of uniting um, that ideology of, truth versus non-truth and and fiction and do we do we do we kind of sugarcoat this do we not do we put it out there and it was a decision that I know you didn't take lightly but you you went and you did it anyway and then there was some amazing uh feedback and then there was some not amazing feedback so how did that kind of you know affect you were you emotionally prepared what what was your journey after that I mean, I, I know part of me, I'm, I'm very much an optimist. So part of me was kind of like, if I lay the facts out kind of like this, there are, you know, there are 30% of the population here in Australia that claim some form of Irish heritage, right? And I was like, 
that's enough for a revolution, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the optimistic side of me that was like, I mean, not that like one piece of art is going to change anything like that dramatically, but you know, I kind of was like, I have this platform where Irish people or people of Irish heritage come to my shows here because they want to connect in with something. Yeah. And therefore I have a responsibility to use that platform towards something. And, um, and yeah, so for me, it was kind of like, I, I, at this stage of my career and also COVID and all this stuff that's going on where we are in this time and place and history in the world, like Ruthann was saying as well, they're like, you know, this is what I want to use my voice for you, you know, unite our communities, whether it's the Irish music community or whether, you know, I'm here in Australia at the moment, whether it's using my platform for a yeah. voice of change. Mm. And, um, and I felt that responsibility. I felt, you know, I can't leave anything out on the field. I need to give it 110% here. Yeah. And so I did, you know, I did with the track and, and I knew, you know, I was prepared for, um, I was prepared for some of what I got, but some of it went to a next level. And, you know, it was actually a good few men on my feeds that kind of raised the question, if a, if a male artist had released this, is this the tone that you would get back? You know, and, um, you know, of course you are going to expect there are people that don't hold the same political views. You're going to, there, there's racist, there's bigotry. We all have internal biases. We all have stuff that we're all working through. And some people yeah. like to fire things off on social media. And I, I, I understood that, but there was one stage where it tipped over to kind of, you know, just it, it tipped to a point where I was like, wow. This is like really, you know, it's ignited something. And um, yeah, and so that's been a process of it's not my job to um, respond to all these people or it's not my job to educate. Yeah, so I'm very lucky in that I, I am able to play music at the moment and do small shows. And there are times where I'm like, oh, no, do I play this track live? Because what happened online and none of that stuff happens face to face or in a room with people, you know, none yeah. of it. Like people feel it for what it is and they feel the truth from it and they can see my integrity behind it. And there's no way to hide from that when you're on stage. And there's no way for an audience to kind of choose which bits they want to listen to and what other bits they don't want to listen to. So it's yeah. been an incredible journey because actually playing live with that has kind of just let me leave what happens online in that online space it mm. hasn't shut me up I still say the things that I want to say and raise my voice for the issues that I feel called to do you know um so it hasn't shut me up but yeah. at the same time I just I I try not to put the weight into it because it did it took me to an unhealthy space and I know you and I both had some of that with the report even and, and it yeah. does like when you stand up you know you have to you have to wear what comes with it and so yeah. it stops a lot of people from doing that like I I am at a point in my life where I am strong enough in my mental health and and you know support network around me to do that not everybody is you know yeah. and there definitely was times in my life where 
I wouldn't have been at that place. And it did knock me like mm. both things knocked me. I know it's knocked you as well. And yeah. I know with the Irish women in harmony stuff has come and knocked us all in different forms. And so this isn't like a, it isn't a road that you take lightly, but I mean, I always just come back to that Maya Angelou quote, you know, but still we rise, you know, yeah. like <laughs> we may get knocked down. One yes. Day, you know? You know, we may feel it really deeply. It, and that's because we give a shit. We actually care. So yeah. like when those things come in, they hurt because you give a shit and they care. But, you know, but we we still rise. We still, you know, and, and that that is to me what activism is. It's not it's not one action you know, for one particular thing. Oh yeah, I did, I did a benefit concert for blah, blah, blah. It's mm. still, we rise. It's getting knocked back and getting, you know, but still turning up to the next event. Yeah. And open up the conversation. And like what, what mm. I think we've all seen in the last, um, a few months especially is it is that veil that mask being taken off um a lot of women that have spoken out because often we're called shrill seekers and you know oh they're bitchy or oh they you know very opinionated and, and whatnot mm-hmm. but we see which uh you just mentioned uh Ruth Dan's project with the Irish women in harmony like we've seen you know Erica Cody has experienced um her own feedback should we say you know Amy has there's a lot of really fantastic performers and artists that have not, have chosen not to hide that part of their lives and to share it and to share it to only be embraced by their community and not kind of shunned and not to maintain this composure of oh no everything's fine we, we did this and it was grand but to actually go you know what we did this and we've spoke out at, but there was um, repercussions and you know we have done the following to maintain our mental health and the security of that mm. and the safety of that and the, and the sanctity of that and I mean, it's so important that to see that happening and to see it happening in real time and for it not to be kind of a coveted, guarded kind of, oh, no, that's, this, this isn't happening. It's all rosy in the garden, you know, and it's kind of yeah. women, women exchanging their stories and sharing their stories as opposed to yeah. even just in recent times, like the mother and baby home where nobody spoke about it for over, mm. you know, decades and decades. And now everyone is coming forward and saying, you know what, as a nation, this is how we were affected. And even yeah. with the, with the, um, the gender disparity reports, like women are coming forward and not just women, but, you know, the likes of, uh, we, had the male response from the report and one response that really really was so harrowing I know for all of us to read was um a session musician Sam Killeen who's a, a guitarist and a producer who works with a lot of the, the women from um uh, Irish Women in Harmony and his I'm just going to read a bit of what he um sent us in you know the the effect that gender exclusivity has had on all of us cannot be underestimated my single mother raised me by herself on an income solely for music. She lost countless job opportunities to male counterparts of equal qualifications to herself. The stress it created is immeasurable. He then goes on to say that misogyny strangles a woman's ability to have a chance to make money, put food on the table, and in his case resulted in three months of homelessness during his childhood at age five. So to kind of, I'm even getting goosebumps reading that again. You know, so sad. We have we not only have the vulnerabilities of women speaking about their experiences and their shared experiences but we have men stepping up and saying you know what we feel your pain we have had to endure this to a matriarchal system in their own families and they have identified that and how it has affected them as a unit so you know the 
we really have been on a cusp of some massive changes this year and kind of being a part of it and, and seeing it and, and being within the wave of momentum has been so um, heightened in terms of emotional um, responses ourselves and, and, and as a collective unit. And it's just so important to kind of maintain that measure of uh, checking in on your mental health and checking in on your, you know, your own um, feelings and stuff. So what would be like how... Did you navigate that, um, Anya? And then Ruthanne, I'd love to hear how how you have done that as well. I mean, I think it's really important to be honest about it. For me, actually, I kind of, like you said, Ruthanne, earlier about, you know, even Instagram or wherever, like not just posting the, the, you know. Showreel. Shiny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, Being really honest about the truth of it. And I think, you know, we've been honest with it, even with the um, gender report and the why not her to be like, this is what, this is the reality of saying something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and for some, for some artists, you know, like, well, Erica Cody and some of those have faced, it's not even for saying something. It's just for being who they are and trying to express themselves musically. Do you know, yeah. like it's, it's baffling. Um, so I think the honesty is really important and then when you see other um people also being brave about what sharing their experiences about what they've had come at them then you're like okay so this is a systematic thing like this isn't just like targeted at me you know what Mm. I mean like even though yeah it can feel that way yeah Um, so I think the honesty and sharing and letting people know the truth of what is happening and not just the happy show reel of success, you know, that mm. like this is just the reality of, of it. Um, so yeah, that, that's important. And having really strong, um, especially in the music industry as it is, as women, we are on the fringes and therefore like what Ruth Ann was saying, like, you know, there's one spot on a festival lineup for women, let's say, and then there's like, 50 spots for men throughout history of this that means we've been pitted against these women that are actually our sisters in this game in in our workplace and in our community they're our sisters but we've been pitted against them in this like even subconsciously even you know uh in this like race against them which is just bullshit you know and so so breaking down those things and women supporting women and then, and then, you know, being honest with yourself, um, in, in those and being honest with your friends and, and, and really congratulating, you know, for me, it's, it's supporting other women as well. Like makes me feel yeah. supported. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. falling back on your community and, and finding nourishment and yeah. security in that, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got through, you know, the release of this without that, you know, my beautiful sister, Emily Waramaran, an indigenous singer over here, sang on the track and, um, and then just having great, um, friends around me, you know, and, and lots of them saying to me, you know, thank you for saying the thing that like we weren't brave enough to say or whatever. And them coming out and just like, saying one sentence like that could wipe away 50 comments that felt like crap. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's yeah. what community does. And I think it's so important 
to reach out within our, you know, strong sisters, but then just strong music community. Like I just kind of feel like we've gone past the music industry now and we just need to make it a community again. Yeah. And so for my mental health through this, that's it. And then swimming in the ocean. I have to do that. Boxing is really good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> surfing that helps you know <laughs> and just uh remembering why i love music as well not losing sight of you know freaking yeah. just love sitting down and playing music and celebrating you know like i just love i love it, love it. yeah and Ruthann, what about yourself i guess like for my mental health i just i try to always remember that social media and Instagram and everything is not a real place. And I think that a lot of the time people get kind of caught up in it. And um, when really it's something that everything you're fed is planned, everything that you see, you know what I mean? It's not, everything is kind of tailored for you and that can be a good thing and a very bad thing. Yeah. Um, and I just try to remember that it's not a real world. And what I try to do is really focus on the real relationships of my life with people um, and keeping in touch with the real people in my life. And I think over lockdown, like Anya was saying, just really being honest with my friends about how I was feeling. I had many a Zoom chat of that wasn't all just roses in the garden. That was about like kind of how I was feeling or how my friend was feeling or and everything like that. And I think sometimes we get so caught up on social media about what people are reacting to or what people are saying or what people, because it's so easy to let it draw you in. And that can be the good comments and the bad comments. There can be the good positivity that you keep going back for, you know, to get that, you know, that serotonin of, Oh, that person liked my post and that person said Mm. I'm a good singer. And then you get drawn in by the negative ones because you're like, you want to see what, you know, what is this person saying? You know, you get drawn in, but really it's all just not real. The people that are behind the keyboard saying all that stuff are very, very, very insecure and very broken people in their own way. And they're just deflecting it on you. And, and so they're not, if they were like on, you said, if they were in front of your face, they would never say that. So it's, it's all just not real. And I think that that's really important for me personally with my mental health to remember is that also people comment on things, not, we all look at things. We all comment on things. We all judge things. Right. But people are coming at it from a place of like not understanding where you, where you've come from that day, what you're feeling that day, what you're going through. And we, and we all are assuming things about each other when we look at things or we don't know what road everybody's walking down, especially not someone that we just follow. And so I'm, you know, the empathy and compassion and understanding that's all missing from those social platforms. And so I just try to focus on the real connections that I have with people because there's, I love that I can connect to people with my music and I truly have such an amazing relationship with some of my followers who've been there from day one and I appreciate them. Um, And we connect on a music level, which is amazing. But I also think it's really important to remember who the real people in your life are. Um, And I think it's really sad these days when I see people focus more on posting on Instagram than their own relationships in their lives. Not not having time to make a phone call, but, you know, posting and, you know, that type of thing. So I try to really remember that. That's a huge thing for me because I think that online is a huge reason why there's a lot of mental mental health problems is comparing yourself online and everything. 
Um, and then the other things I like to do is like, yeah, I just always want to keep it about the music. I like to let the music speak. So anytime I can just like, if I'm upset about something, if I'm down about something, if I'm anxious, if I'm damaged, if I'm broken, I just write a song about it. And that is the therapy for me. And that is the release for me is yeah. to get it down creatively and just yeah just being just doing things that make me smile and and remembering to be out in nature and take walks and remember to just like embrace the good moments that you have that always keeps me mentally kind of sane and then when I go into a hole which I think everybody does with my anxiety I just really try to close my eyes, take a breath and not let my mind take me to the deep spiral. And the way that I do that is something I learned from Deepak Chopra is to focus on objects in the room. When my mind starts spiraling out of control, I start focusing on whatever is in front of me in the room, whether it's a fan, a dressing table. And I start talking about the dressing table in my mind. Oh, that's a dressing table. It's white. Or, <laughs> and then as soon as <laughs> it's really helped me though, because yeah, what it teaches okay. you to be is present. And yeah. a lot of the time we're all operating as our triggered children, as our, from our trauma, every, you know, someone can say a comment and it can trigger the 14 year old in us or the seven year old in us. And the be- and, and that's with every conversation, you know, people can say something innocently that triggers us and we react. And what I really have tried to do is to not be operating from that triggered, damaged, teenager insecure person and try to be present and I know this sounds kind of like crazy but it really has worked for me because I used to get in such a spiral be going through all my trauma you know in my mind not being able to sleep and then just simply staying present focusing on what's in the room focusing on who I'm with remembering to stay fully present for me has been the best thing for my mental health because when you're fully present you're not missing anybody you're not upset about anything you're fully present present in the moment that you're in with the people that you're with. Yeah, I'm sure so many people will be able to relate to that. And so tell us about the new single. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the new single. That's what I want to hear about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, it's just about keeping releasing music, keep doing what I love, keep writing songs. I am so much better when I just do what I can, what I'm good at. And, you know, and just my whole thing is like as a songwriter, as an artist, I just want to keep releasing music and having that connection with people. Because for me, it's like the best way that I can connect with, you know, people on a more low, like, you know, global scale, anyone Mm. who can discover my music in, you know, Turkey or Germany or USA, like even just one person hearing a new song of mine, like makes me so excited. Like I don't really have those, like it has to be millions of people. It's like the one, you know, any DM I get about the music just really inspires me to keep creating because hopefully the music is having an impact on people's lives. And that's kind of where I feel is what I'm meant to be here doing is like create music that helps people feel inspired or feel something or cry or dance or, you know, do or love or whatever. And I feel like once I can keep doing that and there's no pandemic that's going to stop me doing that, there's nothing in the world that's going to stop me doing that. And I'm just really focused on having my health, being healthy, looking after my loved ones, you know, embracing any Zoom or or in-person moments I can have with them, hopefully in 2021 and keep creating music. And I have, we have, and and also what's interesting about where I'm headed career-wise is that I feel like I'm heading into more of a, maybe a different 
like producer level and being a project manager and being like a manager of, of like the Irish Women and Harmony brand, which is not something I actually was planning for this year. But yeah, I'm excited congratulations now. on that. You just signed with Rubyworks. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for the Irish Women and Harmony to be signing with Rubyworks and to kind of be kind of across this new brand and to kind of see where this can go because the Irish Women and Harmony we're we're doing writing camps. We're planning on doing shows and we can do shows. There's an album coming and then my own second album is coming. So what I'm really enjoying now is just kind of being feeling like things are possible as far as like when I was younger, it was like, you can be a songwriter or you can be an artist and realizing as I've grown, grown older that you actually can be whatever you want to be. And you can, you know, be multifaceted as a creative person. You're not just a songwriter. You're not just an artist. You're not just a producer. You can be all of the above. And yeah. I'm just excited to kind of expand on that because I think when I was younger, I didn't really have the confidence as a producer. And I didn't really have the confidence as a manager or anything like that. But I feel like all my experience in the industry, I want to give to do masterclasses for Irish up and coming songwriters. You know, even some of the artists in Irish and Harmony coming to me for advice about songwriting for their people or production. Like I want to be someone that can give what I've learned and what I've taken with me from the industry all these years. I want to help in that way. And I want to kind of move more into that type of career. And so I'm kind of just excited for the next year. And I'm kind of trying to look at 2020 as almost like a world reset. And obviously something like this was meant to happen, which is devastating in so many ways. And there's been so much pain and suffering. And I don't want to diminish anyone's pain or suffering because it's been absolutely awful. But Mm. all I will say to everybody out there is, is that, you know, I've had, you know, friends of mine lose jobs. I have friends of mine not working. I have, you know, money is, you know, it's a really hard year on so many levels people's health is at risk and I would just say to just know that there is something coming for everybody and whether it's the smallest thing to the biggest thing things are going to come change is coming the world is going to keep moving and we will get out of this so I just want everyone to know to not we're not going to stay in this pain or in this rut. It is yeah. going to move and the world will come out stronger than ever. I, I'm keeping that as my hope. That's what keeps me going every day. And yeah. I just hope that, you know, it helps anyone out there listening. That's a wonderful frame of, of mind. And I think it's it's one that many of us share. And, and I think it, it will be fantastic for people listening in today to also be introduced to that frame of thought because there is a lot of negativity going around. But when we kind of shuffle our way out of that and when we move towards that space of embrace and change and change for the better, it is a, a very positive state of mind. So thanks for sharing that with them. Thanks, problem. And just one more note, just use what you have to move yourself forward is always something that I feel like use what you have. A lot of the time we're wishing for, if I had more money, I'd do this. If I had this, I'd do that. Sometimes mm. the power is within your mind. It's not even a physical thing you need. Sometimes yeah. all you need is the ideas and the imagination of your mind. And with everything online, I think sometimes it's taken away the imagination and we need an app to do this. But really like go back to that place in your mind and, and you will find the power there because the power of everything is, is inside of all of us. I truly believe yeah brilliant and and Anya what about yourself (laughs) that was very inspiring Ruth (laughs) thank you (laughs) um yeah I I think similarly to Ruth in that um 2021 I I don't think any of us anyone can sit here and 
you know, say what it's going to be like. We have no clue. And if anything, 2020 has taught us is to adapt and be flexible and, you know, like Ruth was just saying there, create things out of what we have. And, you know, that old phrase, you know, when you have lemons, make lemonade or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we didn't expect to have lemons, but... You, you have know. potatoes, make pudding. <laughs> I think, oh, I should have said that now. Um, uh, definitely. Uh, I think for me, the thing that has, you know, I it, I was on my path to it. It was in me. It was working. But this stop has really been the thing that's been like, whoa, you know, and I've learned a lot about myself in that. You know, when I feel like I'm in service to someone mm. and like that is a huge part of my self-worth and what I'm doing. And so keeping on doing the things that makes me feel of service and what, what I do is, you know, make music and, you know, whatever form that takes and how that molds and what that becomes like is kind of out of my control and for me it's just kind of leading on to the next thing that always feels true yeah. and I think you know a lot of you know industry planning you would say like it comes back to you know say okay well what do, what goals do you want in six months and what do you want in 12 months and this is how we've all like been trained to think mm. for so long you know what do you foresee in your five-year plan and your 10-year plan and it's really amazing to have goals and plans I'm not saying that but I think at the moment like when we attach ourselves to those goals or plans and they fall apart because that's the type of world we're living in at the moment um then we can lose who we are or lose our drive or lose our, you know, um, confidence or our self-worth or all that sort of stuff. So I, I've kind of gone more to this sort of just retraining myself to just move to the next thing that's true and, and looking after, you know, the love that's around me and what's here and what I've created and, and being proud also of the achievements. Cause I think in, in pre-COVID times, <laughs> um, we were all moving so fast, you know, yeah. like we were on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And we never like stopped and was like, whoa, I, I actually did do that. And that was really cool, you know. Um, and I think it's kind of like, you know, like slow eating or slow living or slow, you know, whatever. It's I, I'm really enjoying in a way being able to be like, OK, this is like I don't need to race to the next thing. And, you know, I think it's also really beautiful to see, you know, talking with other musician friends here and in Ireland and in America, everywhere, and just being like, well, how do we want to rebuild the music community when we restart? And I just don't even want to use the word industry anymore. And, um, you know, like really, like when has there been another time that it stopped like this? It hasn't. Yeah, you know? no, when hasn't has happened. there been? When has there been a reset? When has there been those things? So, same as Ruth, like I don't diminish the pain, the suffering, the deaths, the trauma, the collective grief that we are all feeling mm. for loved ones, for dreams lost, for 
you know, houses, finances, cars, children, you know, all of it. Uh, don't diminish any of that. But the there is there is some reason this happened and it is a gift of some sort. Yeah. We don't know what that is yet. And I think that, you know, for me, the the guide to these next few years, which are going to be, you know, up and down. They're going to be a roller coaster like we've been on. They're a roller coaster in every form because we're all everything's all jumbled up. So the politics are going to be a roller coaster. The music's going to be a roller coaster. The living is going to be a roller coaster. You know, yeah. the COVID is going to be a roller coaster. But all I can do you know, personally for myself is to keep moving on to the next thing that's true and keep turning up to places where I feel of service with my gifts, you know, with what I have to offer, you know. Amazing. Ladies, thank you so much for your time, for your thank you for having us such positivity and, and such graciousness in how you both view, um, the world right now and the situations we've been in and also for both of your contributions this year to advancing women's equality in the music industry especially in Ireland and just for sharing that amazing energy that you have um, eternally grateful thank you for having us and thank you for being amazing and everything you've done this year too <laughs> thank you yeah, we're really so lucky that you've you know Linda you've brought together not just Ruth Ruth Ann and I but you know um I can speak to lots of other women in the Irish music industry that, yes. you know, putting, putting yourself out there to do this has connected all of us in ways that, um, yeah, you're an angel. And I really appreciate everything that you've put through to, to, to give us all a chance to connect like this. It's really, it's powerful.